Hey, welcome to another episode of this podcast. In this episode, I talked to Tash, who's also a medical student at King's College London, and she does a whole bunch of other amazing things too, which I'll let her explain in about a minute. Most of this podcast is about mental health, so I hope it helps you with your mental health and also helps you learn how to be there for others as well. If you find this useful, please do give it a review on wherever you're listening to so that we can get this podcast out to more people. And if you have any questions, or if you have any questions for Tash, you can send me an email and I'll send you a response. All right. Hope you enjoyed this. So Tash, thank you for uh, being here on my podcast and uh, I really appreciate it. Could you tell uh, everyone exactly everything that you're doing right now? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so I am, I suppose, primarily a medical student like yourself at King's, um, just, well, integrating at the moment in primary care before final two years. I am now on Instagram and YouTube and all the social media stuff, um, primarily talking about mental health, but just sharing my life in general. I describe myself as an oversharer. Um, what else am I doing? I'm involved with the COVID vaccination program at the moment, working between two and four times a week there, which I'm really enjoying. Um, I also am the co-founder of Future Frontline, which is a educational platform inspiring and helping the next generation of NHS workers. Um, so at the moment, we're doing a series of completely free of charge work experience webinars for hopefully every single different healthcare degree and specialty there is, which is a bit of a challenge. Um, and in the meantime, just trying to look after my mental health and stay sane during lockdown. Um, yeah. You say yeah at the end, but that is a lot of things all at once and i think and, and i think it's really amazing because uh it, it it might seem overwhelming for a lot of people but i i guess whatever you're doing right now you're really passionate in so mm. in that way everything you're structured that you're doing it may take up a lot of your time but you yeah. are passionately getting it done and to start off with the first thing that you mentioned other than being a medical student uh you you do spend a lot of time on youtube and on instagram talking about mental health and getting into topics that are often very uh, well exposed and covered. So could you tell me a little bit about why you started doing that in the first place? Yeah, of course. And yeah, just to touch on briefly what you said, I, I just enjoy it. I don't see it as like work or it's definitely not like writing an essay or something. Um, I wouldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it. I had a brief period with YouTube where I was like actually I'm not actually enjoying this that much so I just stopped doing it um so yeah I just wouldn't do it if I wasn't enjoying it at all um but yeah so basically I have suffered from a few different mental health illnesses um first of all when applying for medicine so back in sit form I suffered from an eating disorder anorexia nervosa and then more recently at med school have suffered from depression and generalized anxiety disorder um and I started to get um, well, started to make some progress at the very beginning of lockdown, um, just because I was able to sort of focus on me rather than we had no exams, which was nice. Um, and, you know, it was just a real good time to be like, what actually makes me happy? Um, and then, yeah, I just felt, I felt, you know, as med students, we know the statistics of how many of us will suffer from a mental health illness at some point. It's shockingly high for med students and doctors and other healthcare professionals, um, as it is for the general population. But I just felt that all of these stats, I didn't really have a face that I could relate to. I, I really wanted a person that I could be like, okay, you're a medical student. You know, although we're not the same person, I, I can, you've got better, so I can do it too. Um, I think, you know, we all as humans like to hear that personal story sometimes rather than just the statistics or reading a, you know, a website or something. So that was kind of the main objection to try and normalize it mainly um, and to talk about these subjects that a lot of other people don't feel confident sharing. And, you know, I I just have always been an oversharer, so I find it quite easy to talk about these subjects. Um and I think a lot of the conversations that I start are sort of centered around what would I want my 16 year old self to know? 
what would I tell my 16 year old self um so you know I had to battle a lot of my own stigmas about mental illness as I've gone through my my journey um as it were you know massive one being like I um pushed away taking antidepressants for so long because I just believed all the stigma attached to it you know that it would make you weak that it would make you a, a ghost you'd have no personality or no emotions which is completely not true hence why I'm smiling um but I believed all of that so you know I I want other people to not delay um getting the treatment and help they need like I did so yeah that's kind of a long-winded way of why I started doing what I do and I think that's a very huge push. And to just kind of touch on some of the things that you said, I think in terms of statistics and social media, like we know how it's affecting medical students. We know how it's affecting mm-hmm. students in general. But even though we don't have enough uh, bases that cover it, I thought one of the reasons why we didn't have enough was that there were a lot of people that weren't very comfortable sharing which I think mm. is the truth that some people might not feel mm. comfortable to share what they're going through. And also it can be quite a, a, a trigger to constantly have to deal with it for yourself mm. and also deal mm. with it when other people are asking you questions. So mm. how did you kind of get over that, that feeling at the beginning that I'm going mm. through this, but I also have to put myself out there? Yeah, so I think there's a fear um, about the GMC, which is the General Medical Council and kind of the governing body um, of medical students and who becomes doctors and who's fit to practice. Um, And there's a lot of, um, what's the word? Misinformation about what fit to practice actually means and is there for both patient safety and your safety and your health. Um, And actually there's very few mental illnesses um, that would make you unfit to practice. And it's likely that that would only be while you're getting better um, as opposed to your whole entire career. Um, and I think the main thing from the GMC is that they w- they want to know that, and medical schools, is that you're being honest um, and you're receiving the help and treatment that you need. As long as you're doing that, as long as you, you know, you're in communication with your GP, as long as you're, you know, um, yeah receiving help that's all that anyone can ask of you and actually it will probably make you a better doctor um having had those experiences but I think the issue is well for me anyway when I think of the word declare I think of airports and doing things illegally like sneaking drugs in or something um and so so yeah obviously you know it's a massive process getting into med schools as we both know it's it's so difficult so challenging so stressful and I think a lot of people are worried that oh no this is going to be the thing which means I can't be a doctor so I think that's where for med students you know anyway I think that's a big part of why people are worried about speaking up about it Um, and I know a lot of doctors have said to me that there's fear sort of amongst colleagues if they share their own mental illness will they be sort of treated differently Um, but I think thankfully those those stereotypes are changing um i think the other question you asked of me was how i overcame this to put yourself to Um, actually also put yourself yeah to put yourself out there mm, so i think primarily it was knowing um reading the what the gmc have to say about you know speaking about it on social media and being on social media as a medical student which gave me a lot of confidence in, in doing what i was doing um, and I think primarily I, the main thing for me is that I'm proud of what I've been through and how I've overcome it. Like it doesn't define who I am, but it's a massive part of my life. Um, and yeah, I see it as, you know, just a greater, great achievement as getting into med school was, you know, overcoming three illnesses. So I feel quite proud of myself and, you know, it's not me bragging, but also it's it's quite nice to be able to share things like that with the world and for other people to be like well done they need to see, or like thank you for helping and hope as well to actually see that that mm. you, you're working through it you are honest with them and they can trust you because you're not mm. you didn't just come out there and this is this is what i am now you, you've shown the process so mm. yeah yeah exactly and i think there's a lot of um mis sort of uh misunderstanding even amongst medical students that people with mental illnesses don't get better 
Um, and you know, it is the case that some mental conditions um, people will live with their whole entire lives, um, but that's not to say that they can't be managed so that they can live a completely normal life. Um, but also that's not to say that some mental illnesses you can't completely recover from. Um, and recovery looks really different for a lot of people. Um, I get asked quite a lot now, oh, so have you recovered? And to be honest, I don't know sometimes, but the fact that I, you know, I'm happy, I'm enjoying my life for me says that I've recovered. Um, and I think, you know, although we know that people can relapse with mental illnesses just like you can with physical illnesses um I feel quite prepared for that if that was to ever happen um but yeah I I don't think I'm sort of ignorant about the fact that you know I might become ill again but I think it's so important just to yeah spread that hope that um you definitely can get better um but with the right treatment I think is really important and when you say the right treatment I think there's a lot of um I mean, in the UK, there's already a lot of stigma. And I can say back home and in Asia and wherever, all, so many places across the world, it's, it's even harder to talk about, uh, firstly, talking about what you have or what you're going through. And then secondly, getting help and trying to understand that medication or going to therapy and getting any form of medication uh, is really not what a lot of people think it is. And Yeah, and I think even within, sorry. No, no, continue. I was yeah. just going to say, I think even within the UK, I think it's important for me to say that I'm extremely privileged and probably found it a lot easier to access these services because, you know, I speak English, I'm able to communicate with a therapist, um, I'm well educated, um, I'm able to, you know, I'm empowered about my health and take responsibility for it. You know, I'm a medical student, so I kind of understand about antidepressants. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of privileges privileges that I have which means that I was able to access um you know care and the support that I need yeah and what do you think about I mean you talk about um your uh, so, so what you're taking right now and you also talk about how there's a lot of stigma and you shouldn't worry too much about at least worry is not the word um that that, that, that there are a lot of things about medication that you're trying to open up and provide more clarity to um at what point let's say how do you know that it's time to see, let's say, the doctor about what you're going through? Because I think the fear often is actually going, when you actually know to seek help. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that say, but I'm not bad enough. I'm, you know, my mental health isn't bad enough. Um, and for me, there was a, a lot of guilt. I, you know, was at university doing what I wanted to study. I was in London. I had great family, great friends, great boyfriend. I had pretty much everything. You know, I could go to Frank Banker whenever I wanted. I could go to Zara and buy a new top. So I was like, but why am I so sad? I shouldn't be. This is wrong. Um, so that guilt was really not useful, really not helpful. And I thought, you know, I didn't deserve to see a doctor. There were people in a lot worse situations than me which was true, but also I was very ill. And the fact that I didn't have a reason for why I was sad shows that I was ill and it was an illness. Um, but I think it's just, I think when we think about physical health um, and how quickly we seek help for that, um, you know, we wouldn't put off seeing a GP for sort of a year. And, you know, at the end of the day, your GP wants to see you before it's sort of so much further down the line you know the first time I saw a GP I was diagnosed with moderate to severe depression and generalized anxiety disorder whereas if I went when it was mild um I probably wouldn't have had a as you know longer sort of treatment and you know it would have been better to sort of um I don't want to say sort it out <laughs> but look after it earlier on um so I think you know if you're having that conversation with yourself thinking about oh is it time to go and see a GP then it probably is um if you're noticing any difference with with your mood um you know or anything to do with your mental health just think you know if this was a physical health thing would I be seeing a doctor now and the answer is probably yes that's actually a great way to think um, about it yeah and you're absolutely right that I think mm. most people won't will think that they can fight through uh, something that they feel is more of a mental or mind-related issue with them. And when it's physical, you feel the pain or you feel something different. You're like, okay, somebody can fix this. But I think a lot of it does have to do with, one, the stigma, and secondly, also not knowing uh, 
when a doctor can actually help you. Because I have spoken to a lot of people who also feel that a doctor is not going to be able to help them. Because they also there's a lot of uh, messages about how medication is overly pushed towards people. So there's, there's a mix of like either medication doesn't work or, you know, I don't need medication because... You know, I, I, I think it's, I think that's only for extreme cases. Mm. Yeah. So I think there's a lot to unpick in what you've just said. I think for me, um, yeah, it's shocking that how many people, um, take medication for their mental health. Um, but I think as long as they, so for me, um, I describe it as I needed the medication to get out of bed, to be able to go to do CBT, to be able to, I received help from an amazing charity called The Listening Place who help people with suicidal thoughts. Um, but I needed that medication to be able to, you know, go and see my friends, which we know is good for our mental health, to be able to exercise, which we know is good for our mental health. So it definitely didn't fix things. Um, but it gave me that getting out of bed thing. And then all of the other things were what really helped me to get better. Um, so I think as long as all those people who are taking antidepressants um, or other medication for their mental health are receiving, you know, um, talking therapy support or other forms of support, then I don't see it as an issue. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in terms of a doctor can't help you, I think often, you know, there are so many different types of services in your area that hopefully somebody in your GP will will know about, um, which you might not have come across. So for example, I didn't know about this charity called The Listening Place. I had no idea. And, you know, I saw a volunteer there who was trained, but effectively their purpose was just to listen to me. Um, and she pretty much changed my life. You know, I've always been an oversharer, but talking about the sort of feelings of maybe not seeing a future, not wanting to be around was really difficult to bring up with my family and my friends. Naturally, it was very upsetting for them. So she was kind of an independent person and, and was amazing. So all I'd say is, you know, a GP appointment is 10 minutes of your life. Um, if the first person doesn't help you, that's not to stop you going back and asking to see a different GP. Um, it's not to stop you from changing GP practices um and seeing someone else just give it a try um it's free in the uk which is absolutely amazing um and what's the worst that's going to happen you know maybe it's not that useful but i'd say that most people something will be useful and it's your choice even if they suggest antidepressants you're not forced into taking them um just have the conversation you might even feel better just for speaking about it and getting it out there and telling somebody it might feel quite freeing um yeah so i i and i think in terms of talking to someone and feeling a little better from that i think let's say some people may not have access to that and they do find try to find confidence in their friends or their partner and but also what happens on the other side is their friends and their partner are not very good at handling something like that and have you ever like either spoken about it where telling other people how to care for someone when they actually need them because i i can say from personal experience that i've had difficulty in the past trying to be there like you love someone and and you're you're trying but at the same time it it doesn't feel like you're getting there and i learned that you shouldn't take anything personally it's like it's not just about you not being able to get to them it's also about, you know, it will take time. I think, it, first of all, it's so difficult. Um, even as, you know, someone that's been there, I often get asked, oh, I think my friend's got an eating disorder. Oh, I think my friend's got depression. I find it really difficult. So I think that's the first thing to not beat yourself up about, you know, not knowing how to broach the subject or be there for someone. I think it's so difficult. Um, I think the second thing is that you might say something that slightly upsets them. You might say something that, you know, maybe you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said it that way. It doesn't matter. The worst thing is to not to say anything at all. Um, and I think, you know, I still remember Alex, my boyfriend, broached the subject about talking to a doctor. And at the time I was like, what? You can't suggest that. That's awful. You think I'm that bad that I need. But, you know, looking back on it now that I'm um, healthy, like I'm so grateful. Um, without that conversation, I probably would have delayed it even more. And who knows where I would have been now. So I think even if the conversation is hard start and they might not you know be like oh thank you so much <laughs> um just know that that was the right thing to do 
and nobody's perfect even if you say you know you don't need to tiptoe around the subject that much um I think a really nice thing you could say is you know do you want me to come to the doctor with you I'm happy to come with you I'm happy to sit in the waiting room um, I know it's a bit more difficult now with with COVID but you know would you like to have a telephone call after your appointment a telephone call it sounds really yeah. weird do you want to FaceTime or <laughs> yeah, something yeah. um and just I think just regularly contacting them even if it's by text or calling them and even if they don't respond um just know that it will be appreciated to know that you know one of the things with with depression in general I found is that I, I just didn't really feel that I was contributing anything to anybody else or, or to life in general so I think you know if if I was lying in bed and I saw my friend you know friend said how are you doing you know missed you in the uni or something um that's really nice even if I didn't really have the energy to respond um so don't give up keep sort of pushing them I'd say um yeah that would be my advice but it's it's so difficult <laughs> I I think it's a uh, I I mean I I truly believe I could have tried harder and I always do feel like anyone else when we're talking to friends I mean mm-hmm. for me I say don't be afraid to ask someone how their mental health is like you don't have to always beat around mm-hmm. the bush and say you know how are you doing you know like if you really want to, mm-hmm. if they do feel like something is different please just ask people because you never know how much that could just yeah. change their the way they feel like the, the fact that they're feeling seen at that very moment as mm. opposed to they may not want to tell you that something is off but you might as well ask because the most that will happen is mm. that yeah you talk to them for longer but if they're your friends so you care about them why not yeah I think that's a really good suggestion rather than just being like how are you oh I'm fine yeah and nobody <laughs> wants to actually get um, into it like just ask the question mm. is something different how's your mood been yeah and I think be prepared. I think often when you share your own experiences or you share how you're feeling, other people are more likely to come back to you. That's something that I found. I remember when I was diagnosed with anorexia and I remember specifically WhatsApping my best friend at the time being like, oh my word, this is what happened. And then them being like, oh, I've had bulimia for the last year. And, you know, this was someone that I thought was my best friend. And um, just by opening up the conversation, they then felt comfortable to tell me. But it was quite shocking that, you know, someone that was that close to me, you know, we were very young at the time. But um, yeah, and I find it with social media now. I'll talk and then I'll get a whole string of messages being like, me too, me too. And I'm like, oh, this is great. (laughs) So if you feel comfortable to be like, actually, you know, lockdown is tough you know I'm feeling it's it's impacting on me I'm feeling so bored and then that person might then feel more comfortable and I think with COVID especially in lockdown uh, there's actually a shared experience of people that may not have felt a form of anxiety Mm -hmm. or even low mood that they had before this obviously I, I wouldn't say obviously but I would say that that considering whatever everyone has been putting pushing through for the last one year I'm quite sure that a lot more people mm-hmm. are going through something that they never had before. So in terms of like COVID related anxiety and low mood and possibly depression, mm-hmm. um, what kind of habits mm-hmm. have you worked on for yourself that has helped you get through it? And what else would you recommend to most people to try out uh, for the next few months? So many things. Um, I think you know, it's been a horrible year for all of us, but in a way for me, selfishly, it's given me time to work out what's good for my mental health. I've kind of been forced into it rather than just sort of distracting myself with going for food <laughs> or going to the pub, which I actually love doing. But um, yeah, so different things. I really enjoy, I'm a middle-aged woman basically at heart, um, but I love going for a walk. Um, I know it's kind of like, oh, exercise, that's so standard, but I love it. I go for a walk with a podcast. My halfway stop is a coffee and an almond croissant. And if it's sunny, even better. That's one thing. Um, Then other things. So we talk about mindfulness quite a lot. And I think there's a sort of 
and now that I talk, feel like I'm speaking so much about like misunderstanding, misinformation. But I think when people imagine mindfulness, they imagine, you know, meditating on the floor, like, um. <laughs> um, and for some people that might be their form of mindfulness. But really, I think mindfulness is being able to just switch off all those thoughts. As humans, I can't remember how many thoughts we have a day, but it's a lot. Um, and a lot of those are really unhelpful thoughts. So if there's just anything that you can do to switch that off, for me, it's so middle-aged um two new favorites a thousand piece puzzles I just can't think about anything else when I'm doing them I'm so focused on this impossible puzzle which I've now completed three very proud of that another thing similar is paint by numbers for adults again I'm the least creative person but that's just something that that process you know it doesn't matter what you're doing basically but finding something that means you're just con- oh sorry angrily aggressively hitting my straw and my glass but if there's something that you can just do that shuts off all your thoughts for my boyfriend it's cycling for me I couldn't think of anything worse um but yeah just finding and taking time to try out these things you might try a puzzle and go what the on earth was she talking about um for some people it's cooking <laughs> definitely not for me that just stresses me out um what else do I like doing? I really like reading. Um, again, that's just a way of me investing my emotions in someone else's problems. Um, so these are kind of distraction techniques, I'd say, just shutting those thoughts up. I think and on the flip side of it, it's addressing those thoughts. So I find um, writing things down. So if I have something that I'm worried about, if I'm anxious about, I'll ask my, so for example, it might be failing an exam. And I'll I'll say to myself, how likely do I think this is going to happen? At the start, I might be like 75%. And then I'll, two columns on a piece of paper, I'll go all the reasons why this is going to happen, which is normally a very short list, um, and all of the reasons why it won't happen. And in the process, you're kind of like, um, what's the word? Um, Boosting yourself up isn't very good English, but you're like, look, I've passed all most of my exams so far. I've worked hard. Um, I got this in my last exam. Um, I know this about cardiovascular system. I really don't, but anyway. Um, so by just by seeing that, seeing that list is longer, I'm then like, how likely do I think this is going to happen? And normally, well, I think all the times for me, it's at least gone down like 50 25 percent and then you can just be like what's the most likely outcome and it sounds really simple um but just by spending 10 minutes that helps me so much just rationalize things i think this is the thing with an anxiety disorder or anxiety in general it's it can be quite it's quite irrational some of those thoughts that we think um and I like to think quite you know I'm definitely not a scientist but I guess my brain is a little more little more mathsy and scientific um so that yeah just by seeing numbers that really helps me as well yeah and in in terms of um I I think what you just mentioned is also some of the core concepts of CBT where you're trying to actually um lay things out and try to figure out what you can control and what do has whatever you think is going to happen I mean, if they've never happened in the past, then what exactly are you worried about? And if you have this conversation with people, of course, it's it's difficult uh, because sometimes you're like, they don't understand me. But I think when you journal yourself and you try to have this conversation where you lay things out, it makes it easier for you to go deeper and be more mindful for it. But based on these, like, how do you, based on the journaling that you mentioned or reflections, uh, other than creating two columns, how do you actually set out uh, 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 let's say a routine to actually journal because if you don't do this every day or you don't get into a habit of it of course then you might choose to do something else so how do you make sure that you have this habit to journal uh, to help you feel a little better yeah so I think the thing that I just mentioned is more I wouldn't do it so regularly I just do that when I feel um, feel particularly worried about something in general um, I think like CBT really focuses on working out how you're actually feeling. And we were speaking earlier about asking somebody else and they might not have actually stopped to ask themselves. And I think it's really useful. So over the first lockdown, I was sort of checking in with myself three times a day. So once in the morning when I was having my morning coffee, once in the afternoon and once just before bed and asking myself, what emotion am I feeling now? And gratefully, quite a lot of the time it was calm. It was 
you know, happy. It was sad sometimes. Um, but just, you know, sometimes we, I think as humans or from my own experience, I only know my, well, before starting this sort of journaling, I only knew my emotions at the extremes. So I knew when I was so happy when I'd passed my exam or got into medical school, I knew when I was so sad because I don't know, just broken up with somebody. (laughs) Those extreme emotions are hard, but all the ones in the middle, I don't know why I'm going on a diagonal here, but all the ones in the middle, we don't really pick up on and actually can be really useful before they, you know, spiral into the two extremes, if that makes sense. And I think being mindful of your feelings and your emotions, it, it, even for me, it's taken me a long time to, well, I wouldn't say that long. I mean, a few years is not that long considering how long life is, but I think, you know, just <laughs> just kind of uh, understanding why you feel that way and not being afraid of like sitting and, and kind of bathing in it because I don't know whether we have learned it in society to not, to just like, okay, let's find a way to just make myself feel better as opposed to let's sit down and understand why I'm feeling down or even sometimes why I'm feeling happy because either way understanding what brings you up and what is what why you're a little elevated or why you're a little depressed i mean just understanding why you're there or even accepting why you're there can be a really good thing in the long run because it's not just always about lifting things up but also about just accepting that you're there and this is what's going on right now absolutely and i think sometimes I get asked quite a lot well actually what is you know the difference between anxiety and an anxiety disorder what's the difference between being sad and being depressed and I'm, I'm not a doctor and there are specific guidelines but I think it can be quite difficult to work out you know actually you know we all feel these emotions of anxiety we all feel sad um you know I remember when I was younger my dad was like but you would never be happy if you were never sad cringe as it is it's it's true um these emotions we ha- we have to have we have to deal with and we have to find a way of processing them um and I think one thing for me now is if I'm sort of verging on the anxious scale or the sad scale I, I I stop and I do well, what can I do to um you know try and make it not get to this stage and that might be you know what I'm going to give up on this essay now there's no point I'm going to go for a walk um you know there's no point me being in this lecture because I'm not thinking about anything else apart from my worry um so yeah I think that's really useful and I think as well you know however you record your emotions um recently i've started using notion um (laughs) and just you can go back and you can see you know oh i felt sad last monday but but then i felt happy on wednesday so that feeling will pass um and it just gives you a bit of confidence you know okay i am feeling a bit anxious but i can see you know a week later i I wasn't worried about that thing anymore so it just is a bit of self-reassurance i think self-reassurance is so important i think often if we say to a loved one, oh, I'm feeling worried about this exam. They'll go, oh, don't worry. You're so brainy. You'll be fine. And actually, that's not that helpful. I, yeah, I feel um, that way too. Like to... <laughs> so I think, you know, going back to what I was saying about the reasons why it will happen, the reasons why it won't happen, just say, okay, why are you saying that? Why, why won't I fail? And, you know, they might go, they might give you another reason to add on to your list. So that's probably more helpful Um yeah, but it can be difficult when faced in that situation when someone's like, I'm going to fail. <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, sometimes <laughs> I'm generally, see, generally I'm kind of be very, like, I try to be pragmatic with things. And like, what I want to mm. tell them is, look, if you worked hard, uh, there are odds that you will fail, but let's believe in the odds that mm. you pass. But I don't want to say that because it's, it's already too stressful of a point. But when someone <laughs> tells me like, oh, I'm sure you'll pass. And I'm like, but you don't know how much I studied. You don't know how hard this exam is mm. going to be. Um, but, you know, this, mm. this is all things that we learn to talk about. But if we, I think it's time to also open up what we say because we learn this as kids and then we, we see our parents talking to each other and all, a lot of them don't open up and that's how they talk to each other. But that's not how we, I think, should be talking to each other. And we should just open things up and, and get a little deeper. But it, in, when you're saying that, let's say you've done all this work and you've, you've, you've been mindful as much as possible, and you've uh, put in the work with your journaling. But 
when it comes to social media, when people are not on your page and not watching your videos, there's a lot of other things that will throw them off the moment they leave your great work. So I think one thing that really gets to me is like, I want to put things out on social media, but I also know that the same thing that I'm putting out, there's a lot of other crap on there that when other people leave my stuff, it's, it's just like they're, they're feeding into something else. And especially in the last year, when it comes to, I mean, there have always been problems in this world, but social media, I mean, it feels like there has been problem after problem and, and, and we've been seeing a lot of activism on social media. How do you feel in your position of, you know, helping people out? How do you pick and choose what you want to talk about, especially since it makes a lot of people anxious when you do talk about it? Yeah, I think I think it's difficult. I think, um, you know, social media in the past has affected my mental health. I think primarily from the eating disorder thing. I was following so many like Fitzbo accounts, which really weren't helpful, but I've never blamed those people. Um, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their responsibility. So that's the first thing I think, you know, if you're not in a place to see other people whatever they're talking about unfortunately that is your own responsibility and I think as a society we're putting a lot of blame on the other individual to um you know the other day I saw somebody post um a photo that showed they had some abs and they were talking about their relationship with exercise and food um and a lot of people were putting the blame on that person being like you've now made me feel really bad or something and I was like oh gosh um you know I'm not saying we be completely self selfish and just go oh this 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 um I re I try really hard to make sure that I'm you know being inclusive um I think I remember specifically sometimes talking about recovery is a is really hard for some people to hear because maybe their journey with depression has, has taken a lot longer. Um, maybe they haven't, you know, been so um, privileged in the support that they've received. And, and to be honest, it's been hard to hear those things at the start, but it's taught me a lot. Um, and it's been really good for me. It's changed my perspectives on a lot of things. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think it can be difficult because sometimes, you know, we were talking earlier, I want to give people this hope of recovery. But then on the flip side, what about the people that will live with these conditions for the rest of their lives? So it's making sure as much as I can be that, you know, my space is inclusive. Um, but I know that there are certain areas that I don't feel so comfortable speaking about it, maybe because I don't have the personal experience. So I think I want to make sure that, you know, trying through future frontline to sort of you know the whole thing of sort of passing the microphone on and because you have that platform giving other people the chance to um share their experiences I think as many people as you know my story is only one tiny 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 story one only tiny part of mental health I can't claim that I'm the only mental health person that's absolutely wrong I think people need to be following a whole range of accounts people from a whole different range of um ethnicities shapes and sizes countries um education levels jobs just everything um and yeah, hopefully I can contribute to the whole picture, but I'm definitely, definitely no, nowhere near the whole picture. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's a big thing. And unfortunately, a lot of people that are having this conversation are white women um, and their platforms seem to to grow well um, because that's, yeah, it, it's it's sad. Um, and anything that I can do to sort of make sure that I, and being inclusive or at least passing over the mic is is really important and something that I'm definitely learning about um, and it's an ongoing process. What do you mean? What are you actually learning about in terms of them not getting so, the platform? So one, a big learning thing was learning that although the NHS is free for everybody and supposedly accessible for everybody, it's not. <laughs> Learning that my experience as a white woman that can, English is my first language, I'm educated, is very different from someone that's not. It sounds, I just wasn't aware that it wouldn't be. Um, so I think that's the first, the first thing. Um, I wrote a post about that recently, actually, and I think a lot of people could relate and found it interesting. 
Um, I think, you know, just being aware actually that these platforms that are doing well speaking about mental health are um, primarily white women. I didn't realize that. Um, just, just hadn't thought about it in that way. So I think, yeah, and, and asking why that's the case and, and what I can do to, to help um is something that's an ongoing process but just sort of facing these uncomfortable truths and um i think the last year has but like thrown that up for a lot of even us. if like so i just would say that even if um these so because i've thought about this and i can just say honestly as well even in like the medical uh influencer com- uh, mm. community it's not very diverse either and it's also skewed no. towards men very heavily it's it's i would say that some of the biggest medic youtubers mm. are men mm. and we can we can clearly see that yeah and and it's also a certain type of men as well and so mm. uh it's like each of these communities i mean one thing i i i, I asked the question is um are people not growing because or what do some people get mm. bigger because they're more likely being watched our social media platforms obviously do follow a certain set of rules that they think they should push people towards but let's say if there Mm. were more white women that were bigger uh talking about mental health Mm. does that make it i mean does that mean that it's more difficult to find diverse voices or is it because a lot of people are just not looking for diverse voices so let's yeah so Mm. i I just can't I, i don't know what the difference really is here yeah i don't know whether um we're sort of taking up space um I think you know from I think it's it's important that I say what I do um because obviously it's it's I never believed that it would help one person but it is but I think it's equally important that um we you know my platform is very small compared to a lot of people's but still that we use that to share other people's um platforms that speak about um their experience of mental health from you know a different background i think that's really important um but i think i think you know so it's important that somebody has a role model you know whatever that may be um and it's not to say that i can't be a role model for someone that doesn't look like me and hasn't had the same experiences but you know um it's important that there is a diverse background but yeah I don't know the answer is is the question is the is your is the answer to your question (laughs) I don't know why that is because I I totally Um, agree with you that I think we we should have more but also because of how natural things just become then it would then be more of a us manually going in and trying to get other people more exposed on social media. So let's say um, one other thing I think is also to help, like I would say what, because I think you've done a really good job at putting your work out there and you've improved really well over the last uh, year of doing it. And one way that you've been doing is also putting on a, for a platform for other people. But I think one other great thing is also to help other people uh, kind of create their profiles to actually help them be seen. Because one issue is also sometimes I feel that because of other self-limiting beliefs or whatever, you feel like you're not in the position to put yourself out there. And when you don't grow, it also becomes a bit difficult to keep going because you're not going. It it just, it gets on you, which, because you've obviously pushed through a lot to do what you do. And uh, I I just don't want to see a lot of people give up. And especially people that have very unique voices that have something that other people um, would like to hear not really grow because they, they they just haven't pushed yeah I mean it can be demoralizing I mean I found the whole YouTube world really difficult and not had much not had you know massive success over there um but I think you know primarily it's it's important it's really important even if you just help one person to you know feel comfortable enough to maybe to share their story um or to seek help then that's always been the way I've seen it I've always thought well that's amazing that little me sat in my bed can write this post and encourage somebody to seek help I've hardly ever focused on numbers or you know how I've never thought to myself oh have I helped 50 people have I helped 10 people have I helped 100 people I've never thought like that ever um I've just thought oh wow I've helped somebody doing this that's crazy um so I think yeah that's definitely the way to think about it and I think 
yeah, it's it's not a marker of, of how important your story is. It can definitely seem like that. Um, but but just keep going and, and know that you are you are helping somebody in the process. Um, I think I always, you know, my boyfriend said to me the other day, well, if you put, because I was saying, oh, I've not got many subscribers or I haven't got that many followers in, in comparison to a lot of people. But then it's like, well, if you put them all outside your window and line them up, you know, even 50 people is a lot of people listening to what you've got to say. So to think about it like that, think about these are real humans somewhere listening to what you want to say no matter if that's yeah 50 100 1000 10000 whatever um yeah you would feel like if you saw them stand like that's actually really good i've not <laughs> thought about it like that but if you saw them just if you saw 10 people and you gave a a, a little tutorial you would feel good but the problem yeah. is that when you see 10 mm-hmm. views you're like ah oh, this is it's not the same and it's very unfortunate that uh, our minds obviously are not we didn't grow up with this uh, at least, well, unfortunately, some people, a lot of people are now growing up with this, but it generally, this idea that, that actually even helping one person that watches your whole video and sends you a message, you should be happy with that. Uh, not, okay, I'm not going to say you should be, but that is a very good thing that you've done. But unfortunately, also yeah, then no, it's be. very easy to then be like, oh, two people and then three, and it never really stops because mm. you know you're helping yeah. and you're like, and then, okay, I'm trying to get more and more. So it's it's like you said i mean if you can definitely just focus on um just one person and also like you said you do you did start talking you're doing it like you were talking to your younger self and like if if your younger self needed to hear this what would you say and i think it goes back to what i was saying at the start as well you know i i'm not completely selfless in doing what i'm doing i'm not just doing it to help other people i i enjoy it um i have met people i you know i get to do experiences that i wouldn't have done before um i get to make a bit of money from it every now and again now so it's not just to help people <laughs> um i'm not trying to paint myself as a a saint here but yeah i think it goes back to why i wanted to be a doctor and it was never to save lives you know that's that's a nice perk <laughs> but it was just to you know put a bit of a smile on someone's face that was having a bit of a bad day by making them a cup of tea or something um but yeah I think all of us will you know don't get me wrong I've definitely had my moments where I've been like but my account's not growing now but does this mean that I should just stop um so yeah I don't think that I haven't had those moments but yeah keep going if if you enjoy it um I think it's like anything sometimes our passion will will fall out of love with it for a little bit or there'll be some days you know even if we're the world's best football player we'll have days where we're like oh I really don't want to play today and that's fine as well um you know it's like medicine some days I'm like oh my word why did I do this um so acknowledge that accept that take a break if you want um that's absolutely fine I think with any project or anything taking a break um reflecting on it uh, I hate myself saying reflecting. Um, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a, but just, you know. We need to do it. It is important. Mm. Yeah. And I, I think to kind of wrap up, and I've actually asked this question to nearly to everyone else that I've been talking to. One of the major issues with putting yourself out there, other than, let's say, all the things that you've talked about, finally, mm-hmm. this fear of judgment and this fear of rejection generally we've already talked about it Mm. but it's just have you ever felt like afraid of the hate that comes with that the possible hate that would come from what you're saying Mm. and how do you actually um, overcome that negativity Mm. yeah absolutely um i would say that i've never felt actively worried about the hate but when it comes um it's a challenge um it's a new challenge something that i'd never experienced before i think it's taught me so much so many um sort of uh, life skills i guess um so many things i definitely always been a people pleaser have wanted to make everyone happy um thought i could do that um and you know as a doctor there'll be patients that don't like me for whatever reason and before I would have taken that really personally I would have been like oh wow I'm a terrible person because you don't agree with with something that I've said about mental health or something that's a reflection of who I am as a person oh gosh I'm terrible that's just not true 
um, separating maybe those things where we've made errors about um, is so important. Um, I think it's important to reflect on comments. Um, some of the comments that I've had have been useful. Um, they've brought up things that I hadn't thought about before. Um, I think I said something like, it's possible to, it's always possible to recover from depression. Um, and maybe it isn't for some people. So it's, it's choosing your words carefully. And I think words can be interpreted, misunderstood and interpreted differently. Um, but you are true to what you said though. You like do. when you say something like that, that's like the, the mm. thing is, if you always, I just feel like if you always consider every viewpoint that comes at you, it, it kind of. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. No, and that's what I was coming on to. So it's important, I think, to try and reflect on, on things and thinking, actually, is this something I can learn from or is it just coming from a bad place? I th I'd say for me, sort of 50% of the time it's been useful, 50% of the time it's been completely irrelevant and coming from that person being unwell themselves or being in a bad place or God knows what, being jealous. Um, there's a whole range of different things that's going on in that person's head to make them say that. And I think being able to work out which side that comment falls on is really useful. I don't think it's useful just to be like, oh, it's all hate, it's all hate, I'm brilliant. What I'm doing is perfect. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and then e equally it's, it's not helpful to be like oh my gosh I'm terrible this is terrible you'd never put anything out there um, accepting that what you've got to say people might have different opinions about it that's fine um, I remember I did that thing in the times um, with Nasir as well and there were comments like oh doctors you'll you will never be a good doctor you're too concerned about your ego and how you look oh you should be studying all the time um and you know that was completely like off the scale and accepting that people might not like what you're doing is, is fine as well people not like might not enjoy reading your book um similar thing um you're not forcing people to to watch or read your content if they don't like it go elsewhere that's that's fine um but yeah accepting that you will make mistakes in the process I think is important something I didn't think about <laughs> um and yeah learning from them when you can and other times putting them to one side and and being like oh my word what is this person saying go and get a life is important as well I think that's very well said I think that's that's absolutely the way you have to live it whether you're creating content online or you're doing what you care about so it's pretty much the same so anyway i i first say just again thank you for this time and I, I when i when i sent you the message a year ago when i saw that you started doing this uh you know i i just really am happy that you stuck to it and you've actually done so much over the last year to just do so much more and i just you know i'm looking forward to seeing how thank you progress you. things forward and also with future frontline uh to actually like to see where you going with all of this i will put a if you're still listening to this and watching on youtube i'll put a link to everything that tash is doing uh, in the description oh, of course no no it was going to be there but my point is that everyone <laughs> should be i mean if you've gone this far <laughs> you should be checking out what she's doing <laughs> um so so i will put all yeah thanks for thanks for supporting me and for um inviting me to to talk about it i love love talking no, no i'm very happy and <laughs> I, I think these are these are things stuff. that you've, you've answered uh like i just there are also questions and things that i've also learned like i've just learned something so mm. so so i really appreciate that and and yeah thank you <laughs>